Thank you, Fiona, very much indeed. Uh, So you uh, find us this morning back in uh, Matthew chapter 7. We have been in this part of Matthew's gospel uh, for some time now. We'll be here for a couple more weeks. We don't actually have uh, the time to get all the way to the end of the Sermon on the Mount, uh, but we will come back to it later in the year uh, because in uh, Lent, which starts in a few weeks' time, we're going to be looking at the book of Lamentations, uh, which is in the Old Testament. Uh, many of you may not have read it or any sort of glanced uh, through it. There's a, there's a very famous word that, uh, verse that some of you will know that comes right in the middle of Lamentations. But very few churches dare to take it on as a whole uh, because it is um, a lament uh, that follows the destruction of Jerusalem. And it's so heartfelt and it raises such important questions for what we do with our grief and our pain and the grief and the pain of the world in which we live that we're going to be spending at Lent looking at that. So we won't quite get to the end of the Sermon on the Mount before we do so. But that's where we are for today and then for one week, a week more after that. But if you, if you want to follow on your Bibles or on your phones, we are looking at Matthew 7 verses 1 to 6. Uh, and uh, if you've been here for the last few weeks, you'll know in a sense that this is following a theme. Uh, we've had a whole lot of do nots that start at the start of chapter 6. And there are different ways in a sense where Jesus puts up a warning sign and says, uh, for those of us who are trying to live his way and live for God, uh, there are, some, there are some, some deep holes that we can fall down. Well, there are some things which are really going to make it difficult uh, for us. They're going to compromise our faith. Uh, So, um, you know, there are a whole load of things about what we should do. Don't announce your giving with trumpets. Uh, Don't be like the hypocrites when you pray. Uh, Don't look somber when you fast. Don't store up treasure uh, on earth but in heaven. Don't worry about your life. And then uh, we come today uh, to do not judge or you too will be judged. I want, first of all, to just to try and explore with you, well, what, what does Jesus mean when he says this? And I'd like to do that by saying two things I think that he doesn't mean, and then to land where I think uh, this lands uh, for us. So the first thing is Jesus is not speaking legally or professionally here. So Jesus isn't saying, don't be a judge don't be a magistrate, or more widely, don't be somebody who has to take, uh, has to to judge a situation or judge a person. If if you look to what many of us do in our workplace or in our homes or in our communities, uh, quite a lot of that actually would involve uh, making judgments about people and situations. And I don't believe that's what Jesus has in mind uh, here. We need people who in our work and our family lives are able to make really good, fair, sound judgments about people and situations. So Jesus isn't saying you can't do that if you're a Christian. Second thing, I don't think Jesus here is talking about values. He's not saying never decide in any situation between good and bad or right and wrong as though somehow a Christian position on life and ethics and on the challenges that we face is that we simply never make a value judgment about what we see around us. Uh, That would be a disaster. All of us have everyday uh, situations in which we need to make 
wise judgments about what's going on, about what a Christian response to that would be, uh, and, and says what the guiding principles are uh, from God's words that would uh, challenge and channel how we should be. And of course, the Bible is full of wisdom and understanding. It takes time and thought and prayer for us to distill that and to know what it means. But a mature faith surely means that we are able to cope with new or with tricky situations. And almost inevitably, very few of us find ourselves in challenging pastoral or personal situations which are all neat and tidy, where it's completely obvious what we should do We'll have to make judgments. We'll have to weigh things in the scriptures that we understand are important for God's people to bear in mind. So I don't believe that Jesus is saying, don't make those kinds of decisions. We're encouraged to do so. We're encouraged to do so in the light of what God teaches in his word, but also as part of a community so that we are together, whether it's in our small groups or other areas where we are together assessing with others. Well, what does, it, what does it mean, really, uh, to live this act? So, if it's not professional, and if it's not about values, then what does Jesus mean when he says, do not judge? And I think a, a helpful English word here uh, would be our word judgmental. And so we maybe tweak it and say, don't be judgmental. Don't be holier than thou. Don't be condescending. Don't be stuck up. Don't be self-righteous. Don't be self-important. And if you think about some of the ways in which, say, over the last 30, 40, 50 years, uh, Christians have been portrayed in soaps and in film and in the media, it is often, uh, unfairly, we might add, it's often seen as people who are immensely critical and nitpicking of other people, in a sense, who who stand on a high moral ground uh, criticizing uh, those around us. Now, that uh, is not fair, but that is somehow how Christians are perceived. We are part, obviously, of a culture, and there's been a massive shift in uh, my lifetime and in many of yours. We're part of a culture that absolutely agrees that being judgmental is a bad thing. And so it says we've, we've instinctively got people with us in this passage. Of course, the irony is that we have become, as a, a generation and as a society, we have become more judgmental than ever before, whilst at the same time criticizing people for being judgmental. We have grown hyper-aware of how judgy other people are. And we're not afraid to point this out, or in the language of our culture, we're not afraid to call people out for being judgmental. The irony is, of course, that our social media habits are making us more judgmental. We're constantly inviting other people to judge us. And to me, it's like having skin allergies as some of us do, and then making a bed out of stinging nettles and itching powder and horsehair and expecting uh, to sleep well. We constantly invite other people to be judgmental of us, particularly over how we look, what we like. We're constantly inviting that kind of feedback uh, from people. And in doing so, 
we are becoming devastated internally and we are learning uh, to simply be judgmental people to others so that we judge a person uh, by uh, what's on their social media, what they've uh, tweeted, what they've uh, you know, supported, what they've liked. And so at the same time, our culture's done this amazing balancing trick of on the one hand saying, being judgmental is the ultimate sin. And of course, Jesus here is saying, yes, it is wrong. But at the same time, we have elevated the acceptableness of being a judgmental person. So, why shouldn't we be judgmental? Uh, Jesus says it very clearly here, otherwise you too will be judged. For in the same way as you judge others, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. There's cause and effect here. If we are judgmental people, we create a circle of backbiting and harshness within the various circles in which we live. It will be much harder for others to speak well of us if we are constantly trash-talking other people. And so in part, but only in part, this is an appeal to self-interest that Jesus does here. And he says, well, you know, if you want to be the kind of person that is constantly finding fault in others, don't be surprised when you will simply be judged by the same standards. And if you were here a couple of weeks ago when we had a, a video that was celebrating uh, Brian Wakelin and his time with us, uh, John and Helen Scammon, who had worked with uh, Brian previously here, one of the things they said about him was just that it says they, they listened very carefully to how Brian uh, talks about other people and had come away noting very clearly a, a continuing generosity of spirit. And I wonder if that's the same or is true of all of us who are here. So it's partly an, an appeal to self-interest, bottom line. You know, if, if you continually talk down other people, then it won't be a complete surprise to you that that's your own experience of their attitude to you. But there's also a sense here uh, expressed in uh, the passive uh, that uh, there's a sense of divine justice, that God, the perfect judge, uh, sees all, uh, and you can't uh, fool uh, him. So if, if we become people uh, who have judgmental uh, spirits, that will both, uh, in a sense, toxify us, it will ruin uh, the pool of relationships in which we sit, uh, but it will also invite uh, judgment from God himself. And Jesus helps us to see what he's describing in those opening verses with that very, very, very vivid metaphor in verses 3 to 5, uh, and we're going to look at that briefly. Uh, Jesus is saying uh, that pointing out that someone has a speck of sawdust in their eye is pretty ridiculous if you have a whole log or plank sticking out of your own. And one of the reasons why I love this is because it feels so personal to Jesus. I, I picture Jesus clowning around with Joseph in Joseph's workshop uh, when he was growing up. And, you know, they, they may have had this experience, you know, sort of Joseph's got a little bit of dust in his eye and Jesus comes to help him out. And you can just imagine, that's the sort of environment and context in which uh, this image grows in his mind. Of course, it's, it's so powerful. It's clearly a, a playful image. It's clearly absurd. It's not meant to be taken literally. 
But here's what it is. It is first and foremost an excellent image of somebody who's judgmental. It's an excellent image. Someone who's, who's pointing out to somebody else, that, oh, I think you've got a little speck of sawdust in your own eye while there's a massive plank in theirs. This is someone who zeroes in on the minor faults of others, criticizing them, critiquing them, whilst being completely oblivious to their own failings. Now, the most important thing for our culture at this time to hear is that Jesus gives us this image as one that we need to apply to ourselves. So don't go rushing to look for the hypocrites in public life or in your own life for whom you think this is true. Because that, that, I mean, we could all, you know, we could all name like immediately now people we think fit this bill, who are judgmental, who are unbelievably critical of other people and are seemingly completely unaware of their own failings. That is not why Jesus gives us this image. He gives us this image so we can apply it directly to ourselves. And so that's what we should do today. And just pause for a moment. What, what major personal faults in yourself are you hiding when you allow yourself to be annoyed and knocked and frustrated with the minor faults of those around you. Just stand back for a moment. There is a plank that you have to deal with before you're even remotely able uh, to deal with the faults of others. Such sober reflection can only lead us to repentance and humility, and a generosity of spirit. It is still okay, of course it's still okay, to offer fair-minded and constructive criticism to others. Being a Christian doesn't mean that you lie to people. doesn't mean that you pretend that everybody is gorgeous, and everybody is beautiful, and all is well. So at this stage, we want to say, well done, Jesus. You have named something that is really destructive. Every home, every community, every workplace would be way better if we had less backbiting, less judginess, more sober thought about our own failings before we launch into being critical of other people. You want to be part of that community. I want to be part of that community. We all recognize the dangers. So it may be as we were getting to the end of that reading, a little alarm bell went off in your mind when we got to verse 6. Let me read verse 6 for you. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Hmm. Why is Jesus classifying people as pigs and dogs? Immediately, after saying that we shouldn't be judgmental. Kind of, somehow doesn't feel quite right initially. Well, let's take a look. This verse, I believe, and I hope I'm able to prove to you, it helps us to be friends to those who have little or no faith in God. And it reminds us how we came to faith ourselves. Let's stand back for a moment. Firstly, it's completely clear, if you read the Gospels, that Jesus didn't give up on people, and Jesus didn't write people off as being uh, not worthy of love. 
In fact, the criticism of him, particularly in Matthew and Mark and Luke, is exactly the reverse, that he seemed to be infatuated with people who were no hopers. He seemed to spend an inordinate amount of time with people who were considered to be unworthy of love and to not have a place within the wider community. So this is not a mandate, this verse is not a mandate to write people off quickly and so to think of someone with whom you disagree or someone who has no faith to instantly say, I'll write you off, you're a pig, you're a dog, you're not worthy of my attention, my energy and my time. We also know that Jesus was unafraid to confront and to challenge people, calling all of us to repentance and to new beginning. Jesus was also willing to let people walk away. The most famous of whom, but not the only one, is the rich young ruler uh, that we read about in Mark 10 and in other places. This gorgeous, fine young man uh, who comes to Jesus with that burning question. And Jesus, having said to him, you need to just go, sell everything you have, come and follow me. And it's too much. And uh, the man walks away, much to Jesus' sorrow. So Jesus made judgments about people and about where they were with God or where they weren't with God, what was standing in the way, what was working. He made those judgments about people and situations all the time. But he wasn't judgmental. So having said in verses 1 to 2, don't be judgmental, and then in giving us in verses 3 to 5 this particularly vivid image of the danger of being nitpickingly judgy and simultaneously ignoring our own faults. In verse 6, Jesus now helps us to work out how to talk about the gospel with those who are outside of the faith right now. And his point is, that, um, is this, that if you have um, the two examples he gives are uh, dogs and pigs. Now in that culture, uh, dogs weren't pets they kind of just marauded around the place. Uh, and uh, pigs uh, were complicated too because they were kept, uh, but of course they weren't eaten. And Jesus' point was, um, you don't give a dog uh, something of incredible value. So you don't feed Fido caviar. No, it's a waste. And if you've ever kept pigs, if you try and give pigs a string of pearls... The pig isn't going to stop and think, that is one beautiful pearl. The pig isn't going to think, wow, that's amazingly valuable, beautiful thing you've given me. The pig's going to be cross because they'd rather have food rather than pearls. So all you'll do is infuriate them. Each one of us who's become a Christian needs to acknowledge that our being a Christian is a miracle. It's an act of grace on God's part. We have begun to move from darkness through to light. Now, no doubt for most of us, there have been Christians along the way who've been patient with us, who've been gracious, who've known when to speak and when to shut up, who've known when to share from their own life and known when to say nothing, who've known when to challenge and who've known when to back off. Sometimes they got it right, sometimes they got it wrong. But many of us could talk about Christians who've been thoughtful and understanding and listening, who've been bold 
in urging us forward when the time has been right, but have also known when to listen and when to hang back. And I believe these verses are saying that we're not to be judgmental about the people who are outside the kingdom. We're not to write them off as stupid or nasty or not as nice as we are or as beneath us. We are to judge each one well, but we're not to be judgmental. That means we're to avoid riling them, avoid making them more hostile to the gospel through the words that we share with them. We're careful about how and when we speak of God to them. That means that we'll always be balancing listening and uh, in a sense, personal challenge. We'll always balance being patient, that we're not in a hurry with them. We know that this is God's work in their life, not ours. And of course, we do it all in humility, not being defensive. It's quite easy for us as Christians to be defensive. But actually, we approach this in humility, as the image of sawdust and plank tells us to, then there will be times in those conversations where we acknowledge our own our own misunderstandings, the things that we've got wrong. And those will be some of the ways in which we can have really productive conversations with those who are on the edge of the kingdom or even outside it. But they all wrap together with this sense of being judgmental. And that's where Jesus starts. Don't be judgmental people. He then develops that image in the sense that he says, well, look, you know, this looks absolutely terrible. It's at its very worst when we're nitpickingly judgmental, when we're obsessed by the faults, often of those who are closest to us and yet oblivious to our own. Then he expands it a little bit right at the end uh, to help us understand uh, that uh, when it comes to those who are uh, not of the faith, that we need to judge them well. Not to write them off, which he never did, but to judge our words and our attitudes carefully, graciously, knowing when to speak up, knowing when to stay silent. Some of us have been damaged by the words of others. And so in a sense, this is all chiming in with us because we've experienced that sense of being judged and found wanting, particularly when we've been found judged and unwanting and it's been unfair, when it's been cruel, or when it's been said by people who want to diminish us and pull us down. And that should give us great, great pause for thought as we think about the power of our words uh, to build up, to speak truth, and to encourage. But I, for one, long to be part of a Christian community where we use those words well, where we judge together well, but we aren't judgy.